What is up, everybody? It's Friday. You know what that means. It's another edition of Curveballs and Chair Shots. My name is Brandon Tango. I'm sitting electronically more than six feet away from me is my lovely and esteemed co-host, Dominic Hobson. Dominic, how are you doing today? Brandon, I am amazing. How are you? I'm just fine. We woke up a little early. We played some video games. You know, we've we've uh, connected. We Hey, hey, sh- 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 hey studio audience can't. No, I play video games today. Just shut up. Oh, sorry. Sorry, kayfabe, kayfabe. Anyways, <clears throat> we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Big, big show, a lot of baseball moves. Uh, we got the Royal Rumble to preview. And positive note, we don't have any deaths we need to talk about. There probably were pe- people that died, but we're not I mean, going to talk about I'm, it. I mean, that, that, it's a plus. I mean, I'll put that in the one column. There we go. Anyways, let's just jump right into it. We have the Toronto Blue Jays continuing to make moves and this one hurts Dominic it happened we thought maybe there was a possibility but Marcus Simeon is gone he has signed with the Toronto Blue Jays not for a whole lot one year 18 million dollars that's not the only thing the Blue Jays did they also traded for New York Mets starting pitcher Steve Matz but we're obviously going to focus more on the Marcus Simeon side of things your initial reactions when you heard the news. And and on, honestly, I think the shocking part is just how little he signed for. I was uh, reading something online, I think yesterday, the day before, about how, you know, it was such a minimum deal that everyone was really upset that the A's couldn't scrounge up 18 mil. And I can't remember who was saying it, but the owner just needs to fucking either sell the team or MLB needs to get together and be like, look, this team's not going to be able to, be contenders for much longer if ownership doesn't start you know forking out the money which i agree 18 million for marcus simeon uh he probably is worth maybe a smidge more maybe even 20 in my opinion i mean he did play great the last two seasons in my opinion um blue jays definitely got a a solid shortstop you know so it, it hurts but it's it would hurt more if he signed for a lot less, but 18 million, come on. That's not a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, he was a MVP finalist two years ago, had a little bit of a drop off, but he was still a much improved player. And not only it hurts because of the talent, but it hurts because he was a Bay area guy, you know, went to Cal, you know, grew up in the Bay area and then he's gone. And it wasn't even like he signed the Josh Donaldson or the Liam Hendricks type of money to where you're like, okay, we understand he's not going to make, he's not going to make that money here. Like what Matt Chapman and Matt Olson are probably going to be doing. And I agree. There has been a lot of rumblings and a lot of people crying out for the Fishers to uh, sell the team. And I mean, their net worth is like $2.9 billion or something like that. So it's not like they don't have money. It's just, they don't want to sell. They don't want to spend that money on the baseball team. And, we've seen for the A's they can make a living they can you know go to the playoffs with a a dirt cheap team but they just can't get over that hump that we just continue to talk about now in the Blue Jays front I think as you said they're getting a a hell of a shortstop you got Boba Shed over there I don't know exactly how everything is going to 
play out, but you get Marcus Simeon, you get George Springer, and now you add Steve Matz to the, the rotation. The Blue Jays, I mean, I, I still am a little hesitant to like declare them a top-tier contender, but they definitely are going to be a, uh, a good, good team in 2021. As long as everyone stays healthy, I would probably put Blue Jays top of my list to, to be maybe American League champions. We heard it here first. Dominic is saying the Blue Jays are going to be AL champions. They're winning the pennant. Then on the other side of that trade, Steve Matz, they, uh, people are speculating that this frees up cap space and a spot in the rotation for the Mets to go heavy on Trevor Bauer. Now, what do you think about the Mets possibly getting the big fish in free agency, the Cy Young winner over in the Big Apple? I definitely, definitely, definitely think this will not happen just because I, the Mets are still, in my opinion, one to three key players away. Um, now, if and they Trevor Bauer's to, not a key player, no, he is. But is that some? Does Bauer want to go to a team that, you know, if they have a decent season, can maybe squeeze into the playoffs, or does he want to be automatically thrown into a playoff contending team? That's my question, and I think he wants to be a playoff contending team. So I, the Mets have the ability to get there but i don't have faith in them just yet i think at this moment the mets are structured to be a possible wild card team like what the reds were last year but if you add trevor bauer to the mix i would say that kind of takes him over the hump and we see the braves the braves are going to get stronger next year or this year nationals are making some moves but they're not like big big moves we're seeing the the mets being one of those teams that are is kind of winning the offseason i think with all these moves that they're making and if they put the cherry on top with trevor bauer you pair him up with jacob Degrom. i mean good lord best one two punch in the biz and if the all the rumors and all the speculation is true that uh trevor bauer and garrett cole hate each other I mean, if Trevor Bauer really wants to stick it to Garrett Cole, what is for him to go to the other New York team and win a championship before Garrett Cole does with the Yankees? I mean, I'm just saying that's the ultimate ego. Fuck you move. Yeah, but the chances I I feel like the Yankees this year have a better chance of of going further than the Mets. If everyone stays healthy and the Yankees have a history of getting hurt, but um, you know, they, they do have a stacked roster. Well, we shall see. Staying in the East, JT Real Muto, he will be staying with the Philadelphia Phillies. And he was kind of a name I threw out for like all the contending teams, thinking that he's a good person to pick up. But he is staying with the Phillies. Bryce Harper was yelling all year for the Phillies to re-sign him, and he has done it. So JT staying with the Phillies. I still think they need a lot of help, especially in that bullpen and the pitching staff, but definitely a good, good move for the Phillies to keep one of, if not the best catcher in the game. My thing, do, do you credit Bryce Harper, Harper more for that re-signing? Because, I mean, he is the star of the team and he's, you know, begging and pleading to re-sign him, or is this strictly just, you know, they okay, we re-signed him. Like, what do you think went on? I would say there's probably a little bit of, of a percentage that Bryce Harper helped or kind of forced them to make this move because he signed for such a long-term deal and you don't, and he's been asking for this to happen. And I don't know what the negotiations were or anything like that, but 
if you want to keep Bryce Harper happy and he has a no trade clause, if he wants out, he's really just going to, you know, fuck you if he wants to get out and you won't get anything for him. But, you know, I mean, he's a star player. He's going to be there for a long time. You want to keep him happy, but you don't want to kind of overstep your boundaries and spend too much for a player if he's asking a lot. But it didn't seem like he was asking for too much. And the skill set, I think, is definitely worth the money here. But they do need other – they need help elsewhere as well. And I'm just trying to think, I mean, where else – you know, who else can they sign for pitching? Because I know that's one of the one of their weak points. I mean – I definitely don't see Bauer going to them, but I'm trying to think of any other pitcher right now that would be a good, if there's any free agents or anything like that, I'm trying to think. I can't think of anything. I couldn't think of anything right now, but the one that came to mind was Masahiro Tanaka. He was a free agent, but now he is going over back to Japan. Didn't put this on the list, but I just kind of remembered it. Dominic, do you think Masahiro Tanaka could have been a good signing for a team, or do you think maybe just he wanted to go back home and he can be a big star, big fish in a little pond over in Japan? Probably just wanted to go back to Japan. I mean, I'm sure he could have fit in somebody some, uh, in somebody's rotation and just kind of been a placeholder. But I mean, not to take anything away from him, but I think he'll be be a lot better in Japan. We shall see about that. We got an, some more pitching news. The Washington Nationals, they sign Brad Hand, former Cleveland Indians pitcher. He was a stud for a long time over there in Cleveland, fell off a little bit. This past year, part of that Yankee series where the uh, Indians didn't exactly do do too well with their bullpen, but uh, he's moving over to Washington. Uh, not exactly the most lucrative deal. I don't know the exact number, but he didn't sign for too, too much. I think this is a good move for the Nationals. It's kind of low risk, high reward. He's a lefty. His fastball's kind of fallen off, but I think the Nationals do need some help in that bullpen, and he's definitely a, a good piece there. He could be the guy but he might also kind of fall off even farther. And I don't think it will hurt him that much because they didn't sign up for too, too much. I mean, is this somebody that in your opinion will help them more or is it going to hurt him more? You think? I think he's probably a net positive for the nationals. He can probably maybe be like a setup guy. Well, I mean, I think Sean Doolittle is still on the team. So you get two lefties in the bullpen, you know, two top, top end lefties in your bullpen. That's, you know, those don't really come around all too often. Get maybe a stud right-hander, maybe a young prospect thrown in there. I think the Washington Nationals could be good. I erroneously picked them to make it out of the East last year. Still don't see that, but when you got Juan Soto, one of the best players in the game, you always have a chance, but uh, you just never know. Then we got some, we got a ton of news with we're finally getting all the the hot stove we're getting onto because we're so so close to spring training Andrelton Simmons veteran shortstop signs with the Minnesota Twins for 10 and a half million good move I think he still has some uh still one of the best defensive shortstops in the game offensively I mean he he's average uh he came he had a pretty gruesome ankle injury uh, that kind of derailed his season last year with the Angels, but he's still, I think, a good pickup for the the Twins, who are, you know, they're right there. They just need to stay healthy and just kind of make everyone play consistently. And I think the Twins can make some noise in the postseason. So, I mean, it definitely is it is great to see him in Minnesota, but I don't think he, in my opinion, has really come back to a full potential. So, I mean, definitely a good pickup, but I'm, I'm not too sold on, on the idea just yet. 
Then we got the Boston Red Sox, who have made the most noise this past week. They trade with the Yankees for Adam Adovino, and they sign Kike Hernandez from the Dodgers and Garrett Richardson from the Padres. I like all these moves. Uh, the, the Boston Red Sox, I think they kind of took the year off last year, kind of recognized with the whole Alex Cora situation and everything like that. You know what? This isn't our year. We'll kind of save some money, come back stronger next year, and – now you got Toronto making moves. You got Boston trying to have a bounce back year. The AL East is looking stacked. You got the pennant winners with the Rays. They don't have Blake Snell anymore, but I think they're still going to be a really good team. So, you know, all the teams, except for the Orioles, are uh, looking to load up this year for the 2021 season. Calling it now. Orioles going to be sneaky good, going to sneak into the wild card. Calling it. Okay. Dominic has the Toronto Blue Jays making, winning the pennant and also the Orioles making it to the playoffs, which means. There's not a lot of room for the Yankees, Rays, or Red Sox, Dominic. Eh, I mean, you know, probably put more money on the Yankees. So they're not going to have expanded playoffs. So there's only going to be two wildcard teams. So you got the Orioles. Are you going to have three AL East teams making the playoffs right now in your way too early predictions? I mean, it's not like official, official, but you know, it, it, it you know. We'll, we'll, we'll save my official predictions for later. This is tired morning Dominic talking. No, this is, I got food waiting for me and I'm starving, Dominic. Oh, oh we got a hangry Dominic. Uh, then uh, Adam Wainwright, veteran pitcher, is going to stay with the St. Louis Cardinals. Good move, I guess. I mean, he's a staple of that organization. Nice to see him uh, come back and possibly finish his career with the Cardinals. I mean, I, I think he's still solid. Definitely, you know, he's been with, the Cardinals for how long? I mean, of course, older you get, you slow down a little bit, but I still think he's a decent pitcher. Good pickup for the Cardinals. Staying with the Cardinals, not a move, but a possible move. Nolan Arenado, the best third baseman in the National League. He is possibly on the trading block, and a team that is very interested is those St. Louis Cardinals. There's always we've been talking and there's been rumblings about possibly Arnauto getting dealt hasn't exactly come to fruition quite yet. But we have a strong rumor right now that the Cardinals are trying to push to get Arnauto. Do you think that's a good move? It's probably going to take a, a hefty, hefty sum of prospects and money probably to, to get him over there. But one of the best players in the game, I think he's I think he's worth it. I definitely think he's worth it. I mean, I I, I would have to really be looking at the. Red, uh, not Red Sox. We're talking about the Cardinals. Whether we look at the Red, uh, God damn it, the, the Cardinals, the red, red Birds, Red Birds. Yeah, Red Birds. There we go. There we go. But uh, I'd be looking, gonna be looking at their their roster really for me to be like, who can they give up that's already active, and then look at maybe any prospects because he he's he's worth it. But I don't know if I want to be trading my whole fucking farm system for him. You know what I mean? I understand. There's always kind of a balancing act where there's a person you really want, but you don't want to give away too, too much, even though he's probably worth that or even more. When it comes to Rockies players, people will say, oh, you know, he plays at Coors Field, yada, yada, yada. But Nolan Arnauto, fantastic defensive player and offensive player. The defense will definitely travel to St. Louis. I think there might be like a slight downtick, but I think the Coors advantage, quote unquote, is always overrated because he produces outside of Coors Field and everything like that. So I think... Good uh, move if the Cardinals can get it done because the Rockies, I mean, they were kind of one of those sneaky. I mean, they started off the season last year like really hot, and people thought maybe they could have snuck into the playoffs with a shortened season. Didn't exactly turn out that well, but 
Uh, we shall see about that. Then finally, in some moves, the Chicago Cubs actually signed somebody and they get Jock Peterson one year, seven million. Very, very cheap. And I kind of see this as a one for one release. Kyle Schwarber get Jock Peterson. I think this is definitely an upgrade over Schwarber. And not that not that expensive either. Only seven million. Um, I really do like Jacques, but I don't know. Schwarber kind of kind of rubbed off on me a little bit. So I mean, it is like you said, it is a one for one. But you know, I have to wait and see how he plays with the uh, with the Cubs. I heard some bad things about the Cubs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jacques, he was really good early in his career. Fell off a little bit probably should have been with the angels last year, but that whole thing fell through and now he's with the Cubs. Maybe he'll be the, uh, the star of the show with him and Javi. If uh, Chris Bryant gets dealt, but we shall see moving on to more major league baseball news at Wednesday was, was one of the, the Saturdays for myself as a baseball fan. That was the day Marcus Simeon got uh, signed with the blue Jays and also the MLB 2021 class was announced. And it was nobody for the second time in however many years, there will not be a class this year. No one was inducted. Kurt Schilling was the lone guy who was close to making it, but he did not. And just a sad, sad day for baseball. Dominic, I talked a little bit about it on trap door to hell. So I want to hear your thoughts first on MLB, the hall of fame. Once again, not having any inductees this year. I can't wrap my head around the fact that, you know, for the sec you said second time, right? That there's no inductees. Now, I understand people are still on the fence about Bonds and Clement and all that kind of stuff, but Kurt Schilling is probably, I would think, worthy of it. I mean, not not I don't I haven't heard of any scandals when he was playing like Bonds and Roger and all them kind of stuff. So it's like you can even get one person in there. I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous. I don't know if it's a, if these people who are voting are old school, not new school or something like that, or maybe there's a lot of behind the scenes pol uh, political bullshit that we don't know of, but this is really frustrating for me. Uh, just like, I'm pretty sure it's frustrating for you, but you know, go ahead and go ahead and rip a MLB, a new one. Come on, Brandon. Well, if there's any uh, mascots barking in the background, I'm so sorry. I think the mailman has came has come to the house. But anyways, this is atrocious. Not only did no one get elected, but there was in total 16 ballots or whatever you call them that were just left completely empty. So 16 writers were like, you know what? I'm not going to vote anybody into the Hall of Fame, which I mean, I feel like it's kind of a holder than thou attitude. I mean, Rogers and Bonds that's like a whole different discussion because it's like we there's people that are like dead fast on saying no, but it had like, it's been so long in the end. It's the hall of fame. Is it really like, there's so many like bad people, especially from earlier on, like in the 1900s that are like just blatant racists and terrible human beings, but yet they're in the hall of fame and people will go and say like, Oh, you know, there's the, the personality or the character clause that they'll go for uh, Rogers bonds and Kurt Schilling and, I mean, Kurt Schilling, all his rants and raves on Facebook and on the internet, I mean, politically, I don't agree with him. I think he's just a fucking asshole and everything like that. But I still would vote him into the Hall of Fame because what he did for the Red Sox, for the Phillies, for the Diamondbacks were just 
absolutely phenomenal. I mean, how could we forget the legendary Bloody Blister game, Dominic? Don't talk about it. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I just I don't understand what is going on with MLB and the Writers Association not putting at least Kurt Schilling in. Because, like, as you said, there might be some, I mean, we're getting to the point where there's all these people now flooding into where there's always going to be speculation if they use or not. And I know they had the 2020 class get pushed back. So technically like they can serve as this year's class as well, but yeah, it's just, it just, it pisses me off and it's kind of hard for me to put exactly into words. Cause it's, I think it's just people trying to sit on their, their high horse and be like, Oh, you know, trying to prove a point and it just doesn't help anybody except for their own ego. Why don't they just let the fans vote? These are the 16 people or, you know, there's, there's 20 people. Only 10 can get, you know, elected to the Hall of Fame, whatever. And let the fans vote. Dominic, we see that. We can't trust the internet to vote on things or else things will get out of hand very, very quickly. Yeah, whatever. Who cares? Yeah, yeah fuck. Fuck the internet, right? Uh, let's get on to some football. We got some Raider news to talk about. Vic Tafer of The Athletic posted a story yesterday and it was about that legendary Dolphins loss that happened week 16. Fitz magic, baby. It has come out that Nelson Aguilar, uh, after the game, who he just absolutely went off, had like six catches for 155 yards and a touchdown, stormed into the locker room and just like, you know, cussed everyone out and braided everyone, called them losers and saying that they're, you know, two lackadaisical, they're just taking it and, you know, all this other shit. And yeah, I mean, it's not a surprise. Nelson Aguilar, Super Bowl winner with the Eagles, you know, looking around and maybe all these guys being complacent would lose it and lose it in terrible fashion, especially with the hot, not hot start, but the good start they had to the season and just them falling flat on their face to end the season. It's not shocking, but uh, I think this definitely does fall on Gruden and Mayock and kind of the the coaches as well. I think it's, it's great. Um, You know, I, I, you know, started with with uh, Watt with the Texans pretty much being like, look, if you're not here to put in 100 percent, then you're not meant to play football. I love it. I love the fact that he's pissed off because it's like, dude, you have we have a team. We have a playoff contending team. You got to make better catches. You got to do this. And, and part of it to me goes to Carr, Dude, throw the ball a little bit better, you know, run around a little bit, you know, like there, there's there's ways that. You know, there's right ways to to call people out and there's wrong ways. Cussing them out, it's a wrong way. But to say, look, to, sit, to be upset, I will 100% agree with him. To say that they suck, you know, maybe I wouldn't say they suck, but I'd be like, you know, I would call them out in a different way. But I'm 100% up for this debate. Um, I hope this doesn't hurt him as in he gets traded cut or something because I think he's a decent player. But... I, I absolutely love it. They were able to win week 17. I know it was against the Broncos, but they won. So maybe it helped a little bit. I don't know. Uh, it, it will be interesting to see in the offseason exactly what happens with Aguilar and, you know, the team now that this story has come out. Uh, Gruden didn't really have a comment on the matter. He just said, I love Aguilar. And that was pretty much it. So, uh, but, but something like that, though, you, you, you know, Gruden was going to say something like that. Gruden's the type of guy that wants to fucking see fire and, and, you know, destruction because that's what he loves. He loves to see somebody get fucking pissed off and get in someone's face. Like, look, you piece of shit, you fucking 
you drop that ball. Fuck you. You know, he, he loves her that shit. But so as the, I, but as the head coach, a lot of this y'all suck bullshit falls on him as well. Well, yeah, but you know, you would never call to the head coach and be like, you suck. You should have called the game better. You would never do that. But I feel like with him speaking up and maybe it was more of just frustrations of bad play calling and stuff like maybe just saying like y'all suck is a way for him to be like, you guys got to change your approach. You guys got to change, you know, the game's evolving. Fucking adapt or fucking get left behind. Exactly. Dominic, big football guy right there. Another big football guy, Matt Stafford. He is parting ways with the Detroit Lions. We don't know exactly what this means because he's not cut. Uh, The Lions are looking to move him. And this just kind of leads to the giant quarterback carousel that we're going to be seeing in this offseason. It seems like maybe 17 or 18 total teams could flip their starting quarterback. Uh, Matt Stafford seemingly to be one of them. Dominic, your thoughts on Stafford possibly getting moved somewhere. Where do you think he's a good fit? And where do you think the Lions should go? Should they go young? Should they go replace him with, you know, another veteran type quarterback? That was a bad transition, but okay. Um, It's a fucking question I asked you. Yeah, but like that was just a horrible ending. But anyways, um, I know I keep hearing rumors. (laughs) I keep hearing rumors about how he's going to go to San Francisco. You know, Jimmy G. You know, he had a great run, but it's kind of coming, you know, forward that maybe he ain't really the best quarterback, you know, which I don't know. I kind of want to give him one more season to see if it was just a fluke season that they won all those games made to the Super Bowl or if it was a, you know, lingering injury or something like that. So I want to kind of give him one more season. But I know Niners have been one, Um, you know, there's a couple other teams, but for the Lions. I definitely think you should just rebuild, start from scratch, you know, put a couple of rookies in there and just have them fight it out. And the best one gets the job for a few years. And if they do well, sign them to a big deal. Going back to the 49ers, if it's one for one, I think Matt Stafford is a better quarterback than Jimmy G, but then you got to take into effect. What is it going to cost to get Matt Stafford? Are you going to have to trade picks? Are you going to have to trade NFL ready players? And if that's the case, do you kind of – and you know you can go to the Super Bowl at least with Jimmy G when your team's healthy. Do you stick with Jimmy G with a full-strength team or do you try to risk it with Matt Stafford to get a little bit of an upgrade at that one position? But then you might, as a team, take a little bit of a downturn because you got to give up some assets for him. You don't think Jimmy G and Matt Stafford can go one-for-one? One? No, I'm not trading Jimmy G straight up for Matt Stafford. I want more if I'm the Lions. That- as I was say, as the Lions, you want more. I mean, I honestly think, you know, age difference, you know, kind of, I mean, if you look at Jimmy G's resume, it does kind of match. How, how old is Jimmy G? Your bitch ass face. That's what it is, motherfucker. I'm, I'm asking you a legitimate question because I want. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how old you are, motherfucker. Damn. Well, he's 29. So he ain't no spring chicken. He's technically like, you know, in his prime, but. He's been with the he's been with the Patriots for that long, and then he's gotten a little. You could also say maybe he's injury prone. Matt Stafford also has his fair share of injuries, but yeah. But I mean, but you look. You know, I'll say that was a bad transition, Dominic. I'll give you that one. <laughs> but Matt Jimmy Stafford, G. thirty-two, so three years older. Woo! Old ass man, old ass man, and has he won any uh, Super Bowls? He hasn't. But has Jimmy G won any Super Bowls as a starter? As a uh, see, but look, you had to stop yourself as a starter. He's won multiple. He's won multiple. 
but not as a starter. Fuck you. I think they can go one for one, but if the Lions want more, I'll say fuck it. We'll keep Jimmy G. So you're you're on record as saying Matt's Jimmy G is as good of a quarterback as Matt Stafford right now. Yes. Dominic, you said some some stupid things on this podcast. And that's probably not one of them, but it's damn close, I would say. Let's move on to Big Ben. He had a uh, not great ending to his season, losing to the Cleveland Browns in the playoffs. But he has come out and says that he does want to stay with Pittsburgh. He's supposed to be getting a, a lot of money in the next couple of years, but he has also said that he is willing to help them out with the uh, salary cap. He is willing to take a little bit less money. If you're the Steelers, Dominic, do you still go forward with big Ben? Do you try to, I mean, I think you're going to want to take that salary uh, salary cap down and, you know, chop off some of that money. But do you think big Ben is a viable starting quarterback for the Steelers going forward? I know we talked a little bit about it with Dwayne Haskins signing. I think he has maybe, one to three seasons tops if he stays healthy. And within those one to three seasons, Haskins and who's the other one? Rudolph, right? He's the backup. Oh, Mason Rudolph. You need to give them reps because, I mean, if 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 Ben goes down, you can't really have them two kind of just be like, oh, okay, let's go. So you got to, within those three, that one to three year round stretch, you got to be giving them reps. Um, so... I one to three tops if he's healthy. All right, one to three years tops if healthy. We shall see. And then we have the final head coaching hire for the NFL, David Culley, the passing coordinator, whatever you call for the Baltimore Ravens. He is the new head coach for the Houston Texans. He has he's the oldest head coach, I think to get his first head coaching job ever. He's like 62 years old. He's been in the league for 27 years, never been above. He's never been an offensive coordinator, let alone a head coach. So Houston taking a little bit of a reach here to grab this guy, a little head scratcher, I would say. And also Deshaun Watson formally, I guess, announced or requested his trade. So that just seems to snowball right now with the whole Sean Watson situation. So Dominic, your thoughts on the head coach. We've already talked about that. It doesn't matter who they sign. Deshaun's going to want to leave, but do you think there can be some sort of mending offenses here? I mean, I, I would, not that I, not that I want Watson to leave. I think he has such promise that he can go to any other team and kind of elevate them. But if I am Watson, I would, out of respect, listen to the coach, at least have one conversation to see what he plans on, his, his mentality, his focus. And maybe he can be like, look, I'll give you the season, the you know, one season, and that's it. Or I'll give you two games, or then I'm, I'm gone. Or, you know, he'll, you know, they can maybe come to something if I'm Watson, because I think that's out of respect. But Watson also is, you know, hot shit right now. So, Whatever he says should go, but we'll have to see. I, I don't know. I don't think Watson is going to go anywhere. I think Watson is gone. It came out that his two top destinations, and he has a no trade clause, so he can just pick wherever he wants to go. And the thing he wants is either the Jets or the Dolphins, which I think those are two good landing spots. Yeah, the Jets 
are the Jets. They need to rebuild, but I think the Dolphins are kind of a ready now team. And I, I think with all the leverage that he has, he's going to get out of there. And it's something we haven't seen really ever in the NFL, except for like Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, which I mean, that's a whole different situation, which shout out to them. One of them is going to win a Super Bowl. Congrats. Uh, I think Deshaun Watson's gone. There's also people speculating. Maybe he could go to Jacksonville, uh, just a straight up one for one trade. I think that might be a little too favorable for Jacksonville. I think Houston is going to want to get more than just the first overall pick, but I, uh, Dominic, what do you think if he does, if he leaves and I said those kind of different scenarios, what do you think is the best situation for Deshaun Watson? If we're talking just, just Mr. Watson, I would be going with the dolphins is the better, better team for him at the moment for somebody who like him, who's playoff hungry would be the dolphins. Um, if he doesn't give two fucks, then I'll probably go with the jets. Now, for the Texans, you're losing your starting quarterback. If he goes to the Dolphins, who are you going to get? Fitzpatrick and Tua? Or, I I mean, so you got to – it's going to be a hard-fought battle for him to go somewhere because Texans need something in exchange. This definitely is not the last that we will be talking about to Sean Watson on this podcast. Moving on, we got some actual football to talk about last week. Both Dominic and I told you it was going to be the Buccaneers versus the Chiefs, the old goat versus the young goat. And we were both correct, Dominic. So, you know, we got to pat ourselves on the backs a little bit that we both got the Super Bowl picks right. Good job. Good but job. Te- technically, I'm ahead of you, though. Technically, you're already ahead of my one, which means, you know, maybe next year or next week for the Super Bowl, I'm just going to fade you regardless, just so we can just end the entire season as a tie. Because that'd just be fantastic. That'd be fucking horrible. Then how? Then you and me have to have a pickup football game. I don't know. No, pick up basketball game to decide the winner. Yeah, because you know you, you you can't tackle me. You can't, bro. Boy. Bro, That's I'll fuck fucking me. I'll fucking sack the shit out of you. Hmm. No, I mean that. Now we definitely have to do a pickup. We have to, you know, play some football or something. Anyways, the NFC Championship game was first, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat. Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field 31 to 26. The Buccaneers got out to a big, big lead, like what they did in week six. The Packers are able to come back a little bit. They had three straight pickoffs of Tom Brady, weren't really able to do much with them, but Aaron Rodgers drove down the field, got it to a like a fourth and goal type of situation down by eight. But instead of going for it, Matt LaFleur decides to kick it to make it a five-point game, which was still required to get a touchdown. And then the Buccaneers, you know, stormed down the field a little bit, that controversial P.I. call, and Tom Brady is going to its 10th Super Bowl. Most all-time, only behind the entire organization of the New England Patriots. Fucking goat. That's all I got to say. Tom Brady does it again. And he's going to continue to do it. Any thoughts on the controversial uh, decision by Matt Lefleur to kick the field I'm, goal? Instead? I definitely, I definitely think you have Aaron Rodgers, who's probably one of the greatest quarterbacks, or you know, at least top seven, at least. But and you're not going to let him go for it. 
Like you don't have any plays that you can do a fourth and goal on. So yeah, Matt, you're a fucking dumbass. I don't. So I wouldn't be surprised if they can your ass or if they, you know, as soon as they start letting fans in, into the stadium, they start fucking throwing cheese at your head because that was a dumbass move. For the PI call, eh? I don't give a shit. Buccaneers won. Yeah, I mean the the field goal. I just that was a, a head scratcher for me because it's like it's fourth and goal or whatever, fourth and eight. If you don't get it, then the Buccaneers are inside of your own ten. And you, I mean, you're, if you kick the field goal, you're going to have to stop them anyways. So if you get them inside, you stop them and then blah, 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 blah. So you almost have to do the same thing regardless if you kick the field goal and you have to get the touchdown. Yeah. You have to score a touchdown to win instead of a, a touchdown plus two point to tie. But like that, that didn't make any sense to me. And as you said, you got Aaron Rodgers, you got Devonte Adams. You can draw something up to, to score. Maybe Aaron Rodgers should have ran that ball in that third down instead of forcing over the middle. I'm just saying, but some controversy at the end, of course. And then uh, Aaron Rodgers' press conference kind of was noncommittal about his future with Green Bay. He's emotional. It's after a tough loss. What do you think the future is with Aaron Rodgers for the, in Green Bay? He is guaranteed to be there next year, but in 2022, he has an out. He's going to the Niners. Mm, I don't – I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a petty human being, and I know it's new uh, – New front office there, but he absolutely hates the 49ers, and I don't think he wants to go there. Yeah, but I mean, how 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 funny would it be for him to go to the Niners? I don't know if it'd be that funny. I would laugh my socks off. It would be definitely a definite upgrade over Jimmy G. And, and let's go Stafford. to Dominic's picks. <laughs> Why would we go to Dominic's picks, Dominic? We got no games this weekend. But there's games before the games. Are we gonna fuck pick? you? Kansas City beats the Buffalo Bills 38 to 24. Back to back AFC champions. They are going back to the Super Bowl. Uh, and this was not really close. I mean, yeah, in the first quarter, they went back and forth a little bit, but if it wasn't for that fumbled punt return. It would have never been really close to begin with, but uh, Kansas City just goes and beats the brakes off old Buffalo. It was a fun story. Bills Mafia, no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, but uh, no one scores or plays football like the Kansas City Chiefs, right, Dominic? Damn right. Mm-hmm. Mm, Josh Allen and those Buffalo Bills will be back, guaranteed. What do you think the Bills need to improve upon for them to let's say go back to the AFC championship game and beat the chiefs this time. Nothing. I think it was just, I I think their team is fine. It's just, you know, not their day. I would say you definitely would want to upgrade that defense. I know it's really hard. It's a hard ask to, to stop Kansas city's offense, but you got to at least limit them to under 30 points, I would say, but uh, I mean, they're offensively. I think they're good. I think they need to upgrade that their running game definitely, because especially when they fall kind of a little bit behind, you know, it's just going to be Josh Allen throwing the ball all the time, and you don't really respect the running backs at all. So, and the the Bills, you know, fun story, but I think they still need a little bit of work because you can only say the excuses they're they're new to this and they got a young quarterback for so long until it's like, okay, you know, it's time to be stop being the bridesmaid and be the bride now. Damn, you're you're good at this stuff, Brandon. You know that. 
after you just buried me about my Matt Stafford transitions. Yeah, that's pretty true. Never mind. I take that back. Yeah, I'm, I'm dog shit. I'm dog water. All right. We are done with the sports, which means we go into the mailbag, otherwise known as Mr. X's questions of the week. Okay, let's go. Let's and go. fans, bum bum. And fans. Okay. Uh, well, Brandon, Mr. you know, X. You, you said it. You said it last week that his psychic abilities kicked in, and he stated this. First off, I'll try not to cut it so close in the future. I guess my psychic abilities were on point when I realized I hadn't sent my questions and scrambled to get them in last week. So I guess he is psychic. I mean, it's kind of creepy. Well, you know, we don't uh, psychic shape around here. I mean, if he can guess a number between one and ten, and I'll write it down right now, and he gets it right, I will fucking... No. Who the fuck picks seven? That's like the most obvious question or answer. Whatever. Fuck you. Shut the fuck up. Was it three? It was three, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. Shut the fuck up. If Mahomes beats Brady in the Super Bowl, could it be seen as a passing of the torch from the old guard to the new guard? I mean, we, I said it last week, the media is just going to cream their pants over this uh, matchup and they kind of already are. I don't know if I'm, I guess it would be like a passing of the torch moment because they've had their battles in the AFC with the Patriots. And uh, for the most part, you know, the Patriots have gone one up on the chiefs and now Mahomes can get the ultimate one up on Tom Brady. And I, I'm not saying like if Tom Brady loses, he's just going to, you know, shake Mahomes hand and walk off to the sunset. I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, we get another, we get a rematch of this next year because I think Tom Brady's definitely staying and I mean, Patrick Mahomes, he's already the best in the game. We know that. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, we already talked about this question. Will Big Ben return to Pittsburgh next year? Um, I think so. One to three years top. So I think, I, he re- I, I think he returns the restructure of the deal. Not saying that's a good move for the Steelers, but I think we'll be back. Cause that's what the Steelers do. They never just like cut anyone. They just let their contract runs out. Yeah. Uh, now I like this question because it, ha- it involves names. I can pronounce. Are you ready? I'm ready. With Michael Chandler's impressive debut plus his post-fight promo, is he already the next UFC superstar, or should we give it more time? I would say give it a little bit more time, but I mean, he had a big name coming out of Bellator. They actually announced him as a former Bellator champion, something we don't really see all that often in the UFC, if at all. Came out, you know, beat uh, was it Dan Hooker, and he. I mean, he laid him out. He he beat him up, and I thought it might have been a little tough stylistic matchup for him, but he got the job done. He had his kind of pre-written down promo that he cut after the fact, and I mean, him versus Poirier for an interim title. I think that could be a lot of fun. I maybe don't see that exactly happening, but I mean, if he gets like another big big win in like a semi-main event or maybe like a TV main event, I, I think Michael Chandler definitely could be something. Now, I'll ask the question just because, you know, I'm not super big on the UFC, but what really makes a superstar nowadays? You know what I mean? Because I know back in the day you had the Ultimate Fighting Champion, whatever the the TV show, whatever it was called. Um, And, you know, it kind of did produce the next wave of superstars. But what really makes a superstar nowadays? What, What do you think? I think what makes a superstar is you're good at fighting 
and you got a little bit of a personality. I think you got to be able to kind of back, you don't got to be like a super shit talker like Conor McGregor, but if you kind of, I mean, we're seeing it with Israel Adesanya, he's kind of the new wave. He's like the new superstar. I think he's like, you know, one big fight away from really, you know, elevating his status to like superstardom. But we're seeing, I mean, the champions, they all kind of do their own thing. And you just, I think it all just comes down to you. You got to be a good fighter, talk a little bit of shit, and then back it up. And then one last thing is for someone in his debut, like he did, um, if he didn't get the job, uh, because like I, I'll be honest, I didn't watch it. So did he get a knockout? That's what I said. I just want to make sure because I didn't want to sound like an idiot. But if he did not get that knockout win, let's say it went to decision and he still won, would it mean the same or would it be maybe a little less because he couldn't get that knockout? A knockout is always more impressive. Decision, if it was like a convincing decision, it, it would be like, you know, a little bit down. If it was like a 50-50 split, then maybe that hurts him a little bit. But, you know, comes in off your, your debut and he showed out. I'm not saying he's going to be the next Conor McGregor or, you know, even Habib, but he, he has a good background, successful, wins his fights. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if he's fighting for a UFC title sooner rather than later, maybe by the end of this year. All right, cool, cool, cool. On to some of the double double E questions with Undertaker and now Goldberg saying that today's wrestlers are soft. Is this accusation really to blame on the in-ring performers or more on how they're being booked? Well, I, I kind of wanted to talk about this a little bit, but since Mr. X brought it up, he's a psychic. He's a mind reader. I know. Even though I didn't put it on the script. But anyways, uh, yeah, the, the comments that Undertaker made calling the locker room soft on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, I wasn't the biggest fan of. I, I mean, there's kind of two different ways you can go at it. He, he takes a paycheck and doesn't really do anything to improve, quote unquote, the locker room. But also, I would say the locker room atmosphere is a whole hell of a lot better than what it was 25 years ago, where, you know, you got guys doing drugs and, you know, drinking and driving and doing all these things. But on like a an overall big picture scale, I do kind of agree with The Undertaker. Like if the wrestlers had a little bit more edge to them, if they had a little bit more badassness, then I think the product would be a little bit better, a little hotter. But I think the onus falls mainly on the company and the way that they're portrayed. And in the Stone Cold interview with uh, Vince McMahon all those years ago, he was like, Steve, we're a publicly traded company now. We're different. We can't do those things you used to do back in the day. And I think that's really like the ultimate thing that is bringing everybody down. But I think uh, the camaraderie playing video games, I don't care about that stuff. I care more about like the on screen product and how that is gotten soft. Well, I mean, because if you mentioned how, you know, they're publicly traded and everything like that. But my thing is, you know, you can kind of have edge and not be having fucking live sex celebrations or bra and panties matches. You can have edgy people, you know. I mean, I think John Moxley, for example, somebody I think he has a little bit more of an edge than he did when he was Dean Ambrose. But I still think he's within limits of, you know, not being PG-13, but he's not really so much PG. So I mean, in, I his, think pro, in his promo on AEW, he did talk about how he loves morning sex. I don't think you're going to say that in WWE. But I mean, but you, but you can have those, you know, subtle little in the windows of comments like that. You don't have to be like, I love morning sex, but you could be like, I love laying down next to my woman in the morning, 
you know, you, you can have, you can let the audience uh, imagine what you're trying to portray. You don't have to deliberately say, I love fucking in the morning, you know, but you can say, I love laying next down next to a woman in bed, you know, different woman every night laying in bed, you know, but that doesn't necessarily John Moxley is a faithful husband. Oh my God. Whatever, whatever. But yes, I do agree. It's, it's the bookers, not the performers. And keep it on the topic of WWE. What surprise entrance could we see in the Royal Rumble? Could Seth Rollins show up? I think so. Well, he was technically advertised for like SmackDown at the end of the year, and then he just got pulled. I don't know if that was like a personal choice, if it was something or another happened. I don't know. But he was supposed to come back, never did. And I do think he's one of those guys to uh, possibly make a surprise appearance. My thing is, I think you still keep him as a heel. I think it's been, it hasn't been long enough for him to return at the baby face. And it should be fun. Uh, any, I got some names to throw out, Dominic, but you can, if you have any come to mind, you could say them. I'm just trying to think of anybody who I would legitimately want to see in the Royal Rumble. Um, I mean, I'm sure you're going to get Goldberg. I'm sure you, I, I honestly think you'll get Undertaker in there even though he retired and all that kind of stuff, I think he'll make a little bit of an entrance or his presence known or something like that. Um, but yeah, I don't really think, I, I I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's people from like that raw legends night that might show up or something like that, but I can't really think of any at the moment. Does John Cena show up and win Dominic? I think that's Ooh. a, I think that's a legit possibility that John Cena can show up. And win it, and win it. I mean, you he can go down the route as he's he. That would be his third win. Tie Stone Cold could go up against Roman Reigns, but I think the the more intriguing story is him going up against Drew McIntyre and being a, li- a subtle, subtle heel, not a full on turn, but he can go up against Drew McIntyre and that can like be a big notch in Drew's belt. Having Drew be the subtle heel, you said no, or John. Yeah. I don't see Cena ever being even a subtle heel heel because I feel like his he eat, live, sleep, breathe, everything, his persona. So, I mean, unless you come back as Dr. Thugnomics, but to me, I'm going to fucking pop for that shit. So, I mean, I'm not like I'm not saying he needs to be a full blown Hollywood Hogan hollywood rock type thing he can mm-hmm. it's more like the rock and cena where they were going back and forth you can choose your guy they both go back and forth and maybe say some some underhanded things to one another but cena mm-hmm. goes there, challenges drew to you know cut his best promos drew mcintyre can hold i think drew can go back and forth with cena even if it was scripted or not so i, think that's I mean has there been any information about everybody's saying that rock was going to come back and win it and challenge Roman because of the whole head of the table bullshit. I mean, there is a possibility, but I think that's kind of like a step down. I think with COVID, I think you're going to want to have when the rock comes back, you want to have it like on a bigger stage in front of more people, but with, but also with COVID he, his filming schedules are probably delayed and he has a lot of movies in the can. So he's probably, he might not be, do, I don't know what his schedule is, but he might not be doing anything right now. And he's like, you know, I'll come back. It's a two night event. You can have WWE title one night, universal title the another night, and that could be main event of night two. But 
I, I really am excited for this rumble because there's not like a clear and obvious winner like there have been in the past. And I think there's a lot of different aspects you can go and possibly uh, be a lot of fun and be very interesting. We're only talking about the men's match. We're not going to bring up the women's. I mean, if you want to talk about the women's, go ahead. You see any possible return? I think, well, I think with the women's, you're more likely to get legends return. I don't see... I, I do think there is a possibility. Maybe I mean NXT people are also going to be a possibility as well. Always, always. But I mean, I think the obvious ones is I think Trish will come back. I don't know if WWE and Lita are still under contract because I know there's issues revolving them. But um, Melina, I think, will make an appearance. Um, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure a couple other people might. Mickey James might come back. You never know. You. Never, never know. Even though I think technically Mickey James is what the company is still in, like a wrestler. Oh, okay, whatever. Anyways, last but not least, <clears throat> he hates to say this, but is it time to give up on Ox's current run as Raw Women's Champion? Lately, she's Asuka? been a pawn. Who did I say? You said like Oxka. Oh, sorry, Oscar. Sorry. I mean, you know, I have a little bit of a chest cold. You know, it's hard for me to, to you know talk and shit. Not Rona. He tested negative. <laughs> yes, I did. Um, but yeah, is it? Should we give up on Asuka's run? I mean, she's been a pawn in the whole Alexa Bliss, Fiend, Orton storyline, and most of the time, I keep forgetting she's champion. Should we just give up, Brandon? Should we just give up? I don't know about giving up, but I definitely am kind of infuriated about what they're doing with Asuka right now. She's in a tag team with Charlotte. Charlotte is the you know bigger person, and she's cowering to little Alexa Bliss because she changes her overalls and puts on black lipstick. It's very reminiscent to me of Seth Rollins and the fiend. And we also, what, you know, what damage that did to Seth Rollins going forward. Sorry. Sorry. The thing that said, you know, I was live, but I forgot I muted the mic. Um, I do agree with you. It, it is hurting Oscar's persona and everything, but at what point, it's it's not that it's to me it's entertaining. I do understand it's hurting her, but at what point do you say you know what she's champion? She should be a badass and go out there and just squash everything again, or or do you kind of keep playing another storyline? Because you know me, love a good storyline. I think there's like a fine line you can go to where you can do the things with Alexa Bliss, but I just think you don't have Oscar sell as much. Like, don't be like freaked out by it. You can like have her be kind of a little bit on edge, but she's confident in herself that she can go and no matter what form of Alexa Bliss she has to face, she can beat her. Speaking of Alexa Bliss, when do we get her back to be her normal self? I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they're doing like, Acting wise, I think Alexa's been, you know, really good in the role. And on the match with Asuka, she had like the little moment where she was regular, you know, Sparkle, not Sparkle Splash, but the the goddess Alexa Bliss. And she was like scared and freaking out. So they're telling the story like the good Alexa Bliss is in there, but just the fiend has taken her over. And I don't know what kind of voodoo shit they're going to pull off to explain her going back to normal if she ever does. But there is that aspect in the story that good Alexa Bliss is in there and she's scared and she wants out, but she can't. Okay, well, that does it for Mr. X's questions. You know, just to let you know, Mr. X's questions always the best in the biz. 
because, you know, he's the best. But, Brandon, you said we have more questions, right? We do have a question from the Instagram. If you want to follow us on Twitter and or Instagram, it is Curveballs and CS. Curveballs and CS. And we have one question from old TyGunny27. And this is a very important question, Dominic. So you ready? Oh, God. Okay, let's go. Very topical. Should the CEO and people who run Robinhood be thrown in jail? When did the fuck we become a fucking investment political podcast, Brandon? Dominic, we are we got our ears to the streets and we know a good stonk when we see one. I mean, yes, but you know, who am I to judge? I'll let that be done to the judges. Fuck Robin Hood and everybody throw all your money into GameStop and Doggy Coin. We're taking it to the moon, baby. I mean, if I had money to spend, I would. But we don't because we some broke hoes. Anyways. Speak for yourself. Moving on to wrestling. We have the WWE Network. It is getting moved to Peacock. March 18th, I believe. We will have one pay-per-view before WrestleMania. We have Fastlane. That has been moved around, I think, specifically for this reason to kind of troubleshoot and test out Peacock with the WWE Network. Everything is getting migrated for the U.S. International viewers, which we have a ton of. You guys are fine. Peacock or Peacock will hold the WWE Network. Everyone who is currently subscribed will be migrated for the $5.99 price with ads. You could upgrade to $9.99 without ads, which is the regular price with WWE Network is. But uh, five years, a billion dollars is the rumored or confirmed amount. Dominic, your thoughts, a bunch of different directions we can take this. Your thoughts on this massive, massive deal. Wasn't the didn't they have a deal something around this price tag with Fox? Wasn't it like a billion dollars or something like that? Or WWE in the past two years has just raked in a shit ton of money. And me personally, I don't really understand why. I mean, I understand why, but if it was me, I wouldn't be paying that exorbitant amount of money because WWE and the ratings and fan interest are just kind of tanking at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to be seeing that it could possibly get worse before it gets better, if it gets better. And that's, I'm wondering if there's any incentives laid in, in this contract to where they have to keep, you know, a certain amount. And it's also kind of reeks of desperation because Peacock says they have like 22 million subscribers, but that's not paid because they have like everyone with Xfinity gets linked into that. And it's a whole situation. So I wouldn't be shocked if just Peacock as a whole kind of folds and we get back to normal in a few years, kind of similar to what happened to Quibi this year or last year. But uh, this kind of reeks of desperation, just WWE or Peacock NBC trying to just get a million people because they want quote unquote word of mouth. But I don't think there's a lot of people out there that because WWE is on Peacock, yeah, it's half the price. I don't think that's going to attract, you know, 5 million people now. Well, Wait, am I muted? No, I'm not. Hey, you can hear me. Um, I, who have Peacock, or who gets has access, or whatever you want to consider it, um, am I going to be a little more willing to go out there and watch something? Possibly not, but, you know, on days where I have nothing to do or nothing to watch, you know, 
I'm my I'm more likely to go on Peacock and find wrestling than I am to turn on my very PlayStation important question, computer. Dominic. Do you get Peacock with ads or without ads? Uh, with ads. Oh, damn. I was gonna say, you know, maybe we can, you know, strike a deal or something. Well, I just go on my, you know, brought to you by Comcast. I go on my XR remote and I say Peacock and it just comes on my TV, you know, something a little. Uh... As a current Peacock subscriber, Dominic, someone who will be migrated over in March, what's your thoughts on it? What's the interface like? It uh, it kind of is like HBO Max a little bit. You know, you have all these, you know, thing. you know, I, I will say Netflix is the best when you want to find a, like a show, movie, whatever. It is the best, easiest to search and find, whereas the other ones are kind of they're just kind of like throwing shit at you. So, but, you know, it's fine. It's kind of like HBO Max, you know, easy to find something, you know, it's cool. Me personally, I'm a little scared because as someone who only has Fire TV sticks, well, I mean, I also have PlayStation, but that's a different, different setup I have. There's not a Peacock app. So for me to access the network now, I'd have to go through my web browser to access it, which it will be a pain in the ass, but I'm not like canceling my subscription over it. Wait, so you, I still have to have my subscription to watch it? It's not a free thing? What the fuck are you talking about? The network. It's free when you, if you have Peacock, right? Yeah, I don't have Xfinity. Oh, I, I know. You got junky shit. I forgot about that. Never mind. Uh, I have DirecTV. And while every one of you broke bitches couldn't get in to watch UFC, I watched the whole damn thing. So, Sugma. Ligma. What time? After we get into NXT, let's go. Okay, I mean, I wasn't going to do NXT, but since Dominic just... Okay, fine, yeah. we can just talk about someone else. No, no, we can talk about someone else. You know, it is 12.35, I got stuff to do, so, you know, if we're not going to talk about wrestling, we just... I mean, I and Dominic had off. like a half hour to kill before we had the podcast, but instead he decided to do video games instead. We're deep enough, in the, podca- the, we're deep enough in the podcast, studio audience won't hear that. Ligma. Dominic just learned a new word. Look at that. We are going to actually preview the Royal Rumble first because maybe Dominic, we run up against the uh, the clock here. So we're going to get out of the way first. The women's Royal Rumble. Don't know if this is going to actually kick off the show. I wouldn't be shocked. If, I wouldn't be surprised if it does. But your thoughts on the Rumble. We've already kind of talked about some surprise returns. Who do you think is a legit possibility of winning the women's Royal Rumble? You know, the only one that I can think of, actually, I'll take that back. There's probably two or three I can think of. One would be Miss Bailey. I feel like she has an ongoing feud with Bianca right now, so I'm kind of not leaning too high on her, but she would be one of the top prospects, I guess, or top contenders because of the fact that she is a big name. She's been WrestleMania. She's been champions so I, I feel like she is a very doable candidate um another one is bianca belair i think she's you know gonna take into the next step with this whole bailey feud you can kind of squash it at royal rumble you can kind of have her eliminate bailey to win it or something like that or last but not least would be rhea ripley i feel like she can be a surprise entrant and you know just win it all baby We're kind of on the same track here. I think I had Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley as kind of my two guesses to win the Royal Rumble. But then honestly, I wasn't really thinking about Bailey until you brought her up and she makes a whole lot of sense. They kind of rushed that Bailey Sasha feud in the fall. 
and she can win. You can tell the story of Charlotte Bailey and Becky winning, you know, back to back to back rumbles. And then maybe next year, Sasha tries to complete the four horsewomen uh, rumble. So I think Bailey is a possibility. I think with the, with the rumble, with the women's rumble, that is it's, I think it's really hard for anyone really to, to win, not like to win, but I think with the men's it's, there's a bunch of different intriguing possibilities, but with the women, there's not too many like that stand out. Like you have Belair because she's new, maybe Rhea, but then like, besides that, it's kind of been there, done that. And they have so many other women that have been kind of devalued unless you bring in as someone from NXT or a legend, which I don't think they'll do to win. It, it is kind of hard to find like legitimate winners on the women's side. And that's something that WWE always kind of backs themselves in the corners like this. So, I mean, the winner I think is going to be either somebody who is when, when you see them enter, you're going to go, ah, shit, there's the winner, clear cut winner. Or it's going to be the situation of someone's going to win it. You're going to be like, makes no fucking sense. Okay. Let's see how WWE does it this year. We will see how WWE does it this year. Dominic, just real quick, your official one prediction, your one pick, who's winning the Royal Rumble? Female or male? Uh, well, we just talked about female, so uh, let's do the females. Okay. Um, I have one pick, one mother effing pick. I'll go with Miss Rhea Ripley. And I will go with Miss Bianca Belair. Moving on, staying with the women, we have a women's tag team title match. Yes, that is actually happening. Asuka and Charlotte take on Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. So does that mean them four are not in the Royal Rumble? I would assume Asuka wouldn't be in the Rumble because she's a champion, but I think the other three are going to probably pull double duty. So then I will go with I'll go with Nia and Shayna regaining the titles. And I'll go with Asuka and Charlotte retaining the titles. Then we got some more championship matches. Uh, WWE Championship, Drew McIntyre goes and defends his title against the Goldberg. I think Drew wins this. He cut a, I thought, an impassioned promo last week or this week uh, saying that after everything that happened with him in COVID, you know, his symptoms were mild, but he's going to go and wrestle for everyone who's been affected by this terrible disease. So if Drew McIntyre's out there wrestling for the people affected by the COVIDs, he's got to win, right? He, he can't, he can't lose. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's going to win. I mean, if Goldberg wins, I'll be a little bit pissed because it, it's very unnecessary. So come on, Drew, win it for all the millions of people out there. Win it for the Rona, but not like the Rona the people affected by the Rona. There we go. Correct. Correct. The universal championship match, the head of the table, Roman Reigns takes on Kevin Owens in a last man standing match. We thought possibly this was going to be Adam Pierce, but no, he pulls the old okie doke and we're going to get KO and Roman last man standing. Should be fun. Uh, It's going to be a brawl. They're probably going to get like a big spot to signal, you know, whoever wins, but I'm going to go with Roman to retain here. Should be fun but I'm not expecting anything else besides Roman winning. As much as I want KO to win, I 100% agree with what you said. I think Roman will win. Roman's been doing some of his best work. So Roman all the way. Now, going to the men's Royal Rumble, I would assume that would be the main event. Sticking with Roman Reigns, 
one name that I think is a possibility because there's a lot of intriguing options, I think, with the men's rumble. Do you think there's a possibility Roman wins the rumble and we get champion versus champion at WrestleMania? Uh, that's I don't think so. I really don't think they want to unify the t- as as much as I know you probably want to unify the title. I don't think they will want to unify. So I don't think Roman if Roman is in it, he won't win. And yeah, so no, I'm gonna say no. I think there's like a slight possibility. I'm not saying it's one of my favorite picks to win, but uh, I think Jay had like a kind of throwaway line that, you know, we're not just satisfied over here on SmackDown. We're going to take the title over there on raw and maybe Jay is entered into the rumble, but then like out of nowhere, Roman kind of whispers in his ear and Jay like jumps over the top rope and now Roman's in the match or something, you know, maybe something kind of dumb like that, but I can see the storyline going forward. I think we will get a Roman drew match soon. I think WrestleMania is a good spot for it, but maybe they think it's a little too early and they want to kind of protect both of them. And I could possibly see them going all the way to uh, next year's WrestleMania, but I I also don't see WWE holding the titles for that long. Uh, I threw out the John Cena possibility. I think that's a fun one. Any uh, edges returning? Dominic, do you think uh, edge has a legitimate possibility at winning the, uh, the Royal Rumble? No, I don't think so. I think he's just going to be in there for nostalgia. But I got a name, and you can call me a dumbass if you want, okay? But what is the chance that we see the Switchblade, Jay White, in the Royal Rumble? I would probably put it at like a 5% chance that he shows up. Because I still say if, if Jay White is in WWE, he's going to NXT first. Okay. I, I just thought of that right now. I was just like expecting you to be like, oh my God, you're so right, Dominic. You're fucking such a smart fan. Oh my God. Blah, 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 blah. But never mind. I, mean, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't bury you. I didn't say it was a stupid idea. I just. But I mean, 5%. I don't... Come on. Hey, I should have gave it zero. All right. True. That is very true. True. But so, Brandon, I'll ask you the question. You have one pick. Who is it? My one pick. I do this every year, I think, for the Royal Rumble but I actually have some legit confidence that this is the year that Daniel Bryan is going to win the oh my God. Royal Rumble. <laughs> I know I do this maybe like 10 <laughs> years in a row, but God damn it. Daniel Bryan's going to win the Royal Rumble. He's going to go up against Roman Reigns and we're going to finally get fans at WrestleMania, maybe a little bit too soon, but it's a perfect way to have fans legitimately be behind whoever's going up against Roman because I think if you get fans with Roman, there will be people that will cheer him because he's a cool badass now. But if you have Daniel Bryan in that situation, he's not as hot as he was five, six years ago, but he's definitely popular enough to go up against Roman at WrestleMania. Oh, I should just go with Jeff Hardy then since we're, we're just, you know, doing That's, favorites. Okay, Jeff Jeez. Hardy winning the Rumble. I put that in 0%. I, I It was a joke, asshole. Jeez. Um, I think... I have I have a smidge of belief in this person, and that is strictly just because I feel like it's so stupid that WWE would make it happen. Otis. So, no. Oh, okay. We'll go with Braun Strowman. I think it's so stupid for him to win it, then go against Roman, 
or even Drew. I think it's so stupid, but it's so stupid that it might happen. So I'll go with Braun. Well, Dominic, you 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 said maybe you said Braun, right? Yes. Okay. Just I'll go, I'll go back to that in a little bit. But on the other podcast, I get two picks. My one like real legitimate pick was Daniel Bryan, but my other pick was Braun Strowman, Dominic. So see, we're kind of on the same page. I have no inclining. I don't know what his recovery process is, but I've seen him post, you know, naked photos on Instagram and he looks jacked. He looks ready to go. And it's a Royal Rumble. You don't got, you don't got to do too much. You can just go in there, punch clotheslines people and go home. Exactly. So, you know, just be, like I said, just because it's so stupid that it could happen. I know it's going to happen. So go with Braun. Now the name I thought you said was Brock. What is the possibility of Brock Lesnar returning at the Royal Rumble this year? I would fucking love it. I would love for him to go in there, annihilate everybody, win the Royal Rumble, challenge Drew, and get back that WWE t- or that Universal title. I'd fucking love it. I do think there is a possibility of Brock Lesnar winning the Royal Rumble, but the direction I think I would go in the more interesting route would be for him to go to SmackDown and face Roman. You have the built-in storyline with Paul. Maybe he's torn in different directions. You can make, you can have Brock be a babyface or kind of the badass, tough babyface going up against the badass, tough heel. It's Brock. I don't know what a situation is, how, you know, because I feel like if Brock is just regular Brock, like we've seen in the past few years, he's going to be kind of nonchalant and not care. But when I saw, like, at the Royal Rumble, I was watching last year's Royal Rumble, and, you know, Brock was having a good time. He was fun love, and I think you can kind of go down that route and kind of have Brock have some fun with it. I, I think it would be actually kind of cool to have him number 30, and you have maybe, you know, a couple people left, and it's down to him and, you know, Drake Maverick or something like that. You know, I think it'd be fucking hilarious to see Drake try to beat Brock Lesnar. So, Dominic, you heard it here first. Dominic has Drake Maverick being in the top two in the Royal Rumble. Oh, come on. Don't put that on me, dog. <laughs> Just joking. Was he? Was he? I don't know. But speaking you know. of Drake Maverick, he kicked off this past week of NXT. Him and Killian Dane went up against MSK in the quarterfinals of the Dusty Cup. And MSK gets the win. Dominic, how was that transition? Amazing. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, I guess I guess I gotta We're talking about NXT now. Oh yeah, NXT, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh MSK, you know. There there should be a third in that group, Brandon. How come uh Mr. Bitch ass Trey Miguel stayed in Impact and not went to WWE? Maybe WWE didn't want him. Maybe Impact gave him enough money for him to be like, you know, I don't need to go there. I'm content where I'm at. But it's not the Rascals slash MSK without Trey Miguel, bitch-ass motherfucker. Well, maybe he'll show up eventually. We shall see. Uh, Kurt Stallion had an interview. He was supposed to be challenging uh, Santos Escobar, not Pablo Escobar, as I always call him, uh, for the Cruiserweight Championship. I thought it was a good, solid sit-down promo, but then he gets beat up later in the show. Mr. Regal gives Legato Del Fantasma an earful, so, uh, you know, a little bit of storyline building here for the cruiserweight title, uh, relative unknown, and uh, he gets a beatdown. So he put a little sympathy on him, but I, I still feel like Escobar is gonna gonna whoop that ass. Who's gonna be the one to take this title away from him, dude? Like, really? Who is the next cruiserweight champion, Brandon? Switchblade Jay White. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. Then we got the women's 
Dusty Cup, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez defeat Aliyah and Jesse Camilla. Uh, Jesse Camilla, it's it's on one thing to say that uh, Aliyah was definitely by far and away the workhorse in that team. I think Aliyah worked the entire match, and then Jesse gets the hot tag, and then she just gets destroyed by Raquel Gonzalez. So uh, tough, tough night at the office for old Jesse, but Dakota Kai and Gonzalez get the win here. Well deserving. Dakota Kai Gonzalez may be the first female Dusty Cup winners. Maybe they will. We shall see. Tyler Rust actually gets a win after last week facing Bronson Reed and, or is it two weeks ago, facing Bronson Reed and then just losing. He comes out and has a, a match against an unknown and he actually wins. So should have done this the week before. You know, if you're telling a story with someone trying to get on his feet. Maybe he should win a match before you have him lose to somebody. But we're at the station to find out exactly what they're doing with Tyler Rust and Malcolm Bivens. Not okay. Tyler Blevins. I, not to be confused with Ninja. Fuck Ninja. But we'll, I'll stay tuned. We shall stay tuned. The Grizzled Young Vets dis, uh, defeat Kushida and Leo Ruff. Leon Ruff. A good solid match. We get Johnny Gargano coming out afterwards, beating up on Kushida. Uh, Dexter Loomis makes an appearance, scares uh austin theory so maybe some sort of alliance with kushida and austin or kushida and dexter loomis maybe loomis faces off against austin theory uh we shall see Uh, i kind of like it so yeah i would like to see this uh tony storm comes out and she cuts a promo uh talking about how she was you know screwed over in the dusty cup last week and she wants to face eo eo comes out talks a little bit and uh, we get a little beat down a brawl between her tony eo and mercedes martinez possibly setting up a triple threat uh but as we said this entire segment nxt we shall see i mean i guess we can see i i'm i'm not too fond of this triple threat match if it does happen. So I'd rather just see EO and Mercedes have EO win and then have her and Tony later, but you know, whatever. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we're just going to get a, a triple threat in here. Maybe you try to save that Tony EO match for later on down the line for a takeover, possibly with a fans. I, I don't, I don't exactly know, but eh, I mean, the women's division is kind of all over the place at the moment. There's not a, a clear cut winner in with, no Rhea Ripley, like she got, I don't know if I say written off, but pretty convincingly got beat by Raquel Gonzalez. I think that just kind of adds more fuel to the fire of her being a legitimate Royal Rumble winner. At least in appearance. Main roster debut. Uh, yeah, at least in appearance. Uh, Bronson Reed goes up against Isaiah Swerve Scott, and Bronson Reed once again beats Scott. We saw this match a few weeks ago on the opener. Uh, at least this time, Scott put up a little bit more of a fight, but Reed ends up getting the W. Continuing to push Bronson Reed as a babyface, Swerve gets a little bit of promo time, but then loses. Uh, so, you know, some 50-50 booking here with Swerve. He had something with Jake Atlas, but that just kind of hasn't been a thing in a while. Uh, so two, I mean, Bronson Reed definitely is getting pushed more, but Swerve gets he a solid amount of TV time, but yet he just isn't winning his matches. I mean, I think he's a good character. I just, you know, they're just not booking him right. But, you know, we'll, 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 see, we'll see more of him. Trust me. We'll see more. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I, th- I mean, honestly, I think he could have been the guy to dethrone uh, Santos Escobar in that cruiserweight division, but just everything kind of surrounding him. And maybe he got there a little bit too early and they wanted to save it for later. And yeah, just 
whole bunch of different things. Because so that cruiserweight division, as you said, I, I don't really see anybody in this current crop that could go up and legitimately, not like legitimately beat him, but I feel like could beat him and people actually care about it. Agreed. We get Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa sitting down next to each other, kind of explaining and talking about uh, why they are a tag team. They got their win, I think it was on 205 Live, and so they continue on in the Dusty Cup. They will be facing against the Undisputed Era next week. So we have a longtime tag team going up against a new tag team, which I think is a fun little story that they can tell next week, and I'm excited to see what they can do in that match. New tag team, definitely going to beat that ass because you know why? Because if Sheamus and Cesaro can win the titles, then you can have Thatcher and Ciampa win a cup. And we see in the Dusty Cup that they like to have these two single stars come together and win the tag team division. I I mean, we we talked about it that I feel Ciampa and Thatcher were more similar than, you know, different. And it it all makes sense that they're actually a tag team. See, we told you this was going to happen and it actually turned out true. We kind of know what we're talking about from time to time. Uh, Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly face off against Danny Burch and Orny Lorcan in the main event. And O'Reilly taps out, I believe, Danny Burch to get the win. We get a beatdown with uh, Pete Dunne beating up on the baby faces. Undisputed are a little late to make the save. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, they, they make the save. So we kind of get a face off four on three. Maybe uh, Pat McAfee shows up. Eventually, I don't know, but uh, continuing on with the UE Birch Lorkin and Dunn feud, it's not exactly in like tiresome, but it's just kind of repetitive. Yeah, but that's that's all that they have going for them right now. So why are you gonna let up on it? I, I just don't know. I mean, I think the ultimate move is to have Pete Dunn go up against Finn Balor, maybe at the next takeover, but uh. I, I just don't know exactly where they go from here with Undisputed Era. Like, do you do a breakup with Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole? Do we get one of, like, maybe both of them in the Royal Rumble and we get a little face-off and a little tension? Like, because as of right now, everything's And then cool, Jay White but... comes in and takes over. Yeah, Jay White, the new leader of Undisputed Era. You heard it here first. Then finally, we will recap AEW Dynamite. Dominic, they did not start the show with a tag team match. Can we like hurry the fuck up? I got to get going here, Brandon. So let's just like skip all tag team matches. Okay. Well, we can't skip this one because we have Eddie Kingston taking on Lance Archer and Eddie Kingston actually beats Lance Archer. He had a shit ton of help, but regardless, he gets the win. This will lead to a lumberjack match, I believe next week, but solid opener, a lot of storyline, you know, driven stuff here. Kingston actually gets a win. So a first for him, I guess. I don't think he's won anything besides this one, I think. But yeah, good good stuff. I feel like ever since the video of him kind of doing that pep talks come out, I think a lot of people are behind him now. So I think he's going to get a little bit of a push. All right. Uh, we will talk about this tag team match. Chris Jericho and MJF defeat the Varsity Blondes. Uh, the match was all right. Jericho actually hit a lion salt. So everyone give, Amazing. It, up. Everyone give it up for Chris Jericho. We can hit a lion salt at age 50. And yeah, I mean, just kind of furthering cement them as a tag team. We also get Sammy and MJF having a little chat backstage. Sammy still is not convinced that MJF is a, a nice guy and helping out the inner circle. Well, I mean, it's kind of true. MJF is fucking a jerk, but you know, whatever, no big deal. 
NBD, no big deal. We get Cody responding to Shaq. Shaq just kind of says, you know, name the time and place. And then he decides to name the time. He wants it at some time in March. Uh, Cody talks with Tony Schiavone and he says it was supposed to be a mixed tag match, but because Brandy got pregnant with kind of threw a wrench into things. And then we get red velvet comes out and she cuts a little bit of an angry promo. You know, I, I forget exactly what she said, but she called uh, Jade a bitch pretty much and setting up Cody and red velvet being a tag team going up against Jade and uh, Cody or Jade and Shaq. This match is not going to be a barn burner. I don't see what exactly is going the match. I mean, you have Cody who was clear cut the best wrestler out of all four of them. And then you have the two women, which I mean, I haven't seen Jade wrestle red velvet's okay. I think it's probably an upgrade, honestly, over Brandy in the ring, but then you got Shaq who was like the big time, big name. I, I don't really see this match uh, working out too well. I'm just saying at one point in time, Brandy was in an alliance with awesome Kong. So why the fuck didn't Brandy be like, I got a phone call to make and call up Awesome Kong and Kong comes out and just fucking beats the shit out of Jade. So it's like, I don't, I don't understand that. I would have Awesome Kong and Cody versus Jade and Jack. That would be a, a much better matchup. I just don't know what Kong's status is. If she's like not injured, but doesn't really up to the task of wrestling and during the pandemic, why travel and doing all those things. She's, she's, just made, saying, she's just, got that Netflix just, money. Just saying, bro. Just saying, it'd be a good, uh, a good job. It, uh, it would. Be, I mean, I definitely would uh, sign off on that if they could do that, but I just don't think they can. Hangman Adam Page defeats Ryan Nemeth, and we had Matt Hardy in the corner of Hangman, kind of trying to recruit him. So after Page turns down one recruitment, he's just continuing to get recruited. He's like a five-star athlete, maybe baby Dolph or brother Dolph whatever who gives a fuck what do you think they're going with uh page and matt hardy after doing going nowhere what's going to end up happening is you're going to have hardy and private party attack hangman page after so many weeks and then fucking dark order's gonna come out save page and page is gonna say you know what i'm joining the dark order okay page is going to join the dark order i don't i mean i think he's just gonna kind of blow him off i do think we could get uh hangman and matt hardy a kind of like a one-off thing maybe well i don't know if we're gonna get because we're gonna get like the street fight i think that might be a little cinematic maybe not completely so i don't think they're gonna go that route with page and hardy but uh yeah i mean it, it is kind of not boring but kind of head scratcher for why you go from get him turning down one recruitment to now trying to get recruited by somebody else it, it makes sense why hardy's doing it i just don't understand why uh AEW wants to kind of continue down that path. Jungle Boy takes on Dax Harwood and Tully and Cash were handcuffed to Luchasaurus. I heard rumblings that this was a fantastic match and it definitely did not disappoint. I thought this was great. Jungle Boy got the win as both of us thought he should have. Taps out Dax actually, so very convincing win. And yeah, I thought this match was phenomenal. The heels get their heat back after beating down Jungle Boy and they cut off the thorns of Luchasaurus. They kind of crucify him to the ropes. I just thought everything worked. This was by far the best thing on AEW this week. So with that being said, that means Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, the next tag team champions. I don't know. I mean, they have the battle royal for the number one contendership. Technically, FTR are the number one contenders, but I think because they're doing this battle royal, they're not going to go in that direction because if they were... Just have them have the match or because I don't think 
the number one contenders are going to actually win the match to determine the number one contenders or the next challengers. Just let it happen. I mean, I do think that Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus are a fun tag team. I just think at the moment with the Young Bucks being the champs, you're not going to go in that direction at this moment. Maybe later on down the line, if the Young Bucks full-fledged turn heel, I think the Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy definitely are a good team to dethrone them. Moving on to uh, John Moxley. What happened with him? Uh, no, we're not going to talk about that. Well, I mean, we talked about the promo already, but we still have some things to go, Dominic. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just, you know, trying to, uh, you know, get the ball moving here. I got shit to do before I got to go pick up the love of my life. Once again, Dominic had about 20 minutes of free time before the podcast, but decided to, you know, play some video games instead. Priority. Once again, Brandon's still an asshole. Tell me something I don't know. Team Taz destroyed a merch stand, and we also had Darby and Sting say that they're hoodlums. Uh, the promo with Sting and Darby, I thought was kind of awkward, especially with Sting talking about how he is a hoodlum. I thought that was kind of cringe. Uh, I thought the beatdown Team Taz had on the, the merch guys was good. But, uh, Sting continued to talk. I don't think it's a positive. You're telling me you don't like Sting talking on the microphone. Is that what you're saying? I know. Hot take, right? You? I don't know if I can be on this podcast with all the Sting slander. Like, come on, man. He's an icon. He's the icon. Britt Baker defeated Shauna. Shana? Shana? She defeated her. Uh, match was, was all right, I guess. And Thunder Rosa makes the save after Baker continues to beat down Shauna. And this builds to the match next week at Beach Break. Beach Blast? Beach Break. I think. It's beach when break. are we going to get Sexy Star? Come on. I'm waiting to see her. Where the fuck did that come from? I don't know. I just want to say it. You mean the same sexy star who just takes liberties on her rest on the people she's facing? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that one. I don't think she's going to be going to AEW anytime soon. Well, that's a damn shame. Great talent. Yeah. Then in the main event, we had uh, the Good Brothers and the Young Bucks take on the Dark Order and the champions get the win, I think John Silver looked really good. He had a his time to shine, but in the young the young bucks hit the Melter driver on Stu Grayson. And then the young bucks cut their promo about how they're going to be entered in that tag team battle royal. And if they win, they can choose their opponent. And they meant anybody and then looked at the good brothers. So they continue to kind of, I mean, the young bucks storyline, I still don't know exactly where they're going. So it keeps me kind of intrigued, but they're buddy, buddy with the good brothers but then when it comes to Kenny, Kenny is kind of being a dick and, you know, kind of blowing him off. But yet Kenny is with the Good Brothers. Doesn't it make sense for the Young Bucks actually to win the Battle Royal and then they choose maybe a weaker tag team that they underestimate and they lose and then they get pissed off and, you know, beat the shit out of them? I mean, if the Young Bucks win, they kind of just straight up said, or not said, but insinuated that they're going to f- pick the Good Brothers. So I would think they'd pick them instead. That's where the storyline's heading. Yeah, but then what happens when, you know, it, it, to me, I think, uh, I don't know, whatever. Then uh, while the Young Bucks were doing their thing, Kenny uh, or Ray Phoenix came out, beats down, tries to beat down the Young Bucks, and John Moxley comes out. And Kenny comes out, and it's just this whole big kerfuffle that is setting up the six-man main event with Moxley 
and Pac and Phoenix taking on Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. And I think Pac also had a, a really good promo earlier on in the show as well. Very underestimated that one Pac guy is. So can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see next week. Brandon, I can't wait till next week. We've got a lot to do tomorrow or next week, whatever. Uh, la, 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 blah, 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 curveball, chair shots.com. Okay. What, 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 what am I forgetting here? Uh, breaking news. We have curveballs and chair shots.com. Yeah. You didn't know I uh, spent about uh, all my life savings on getting a, uh, a domain name. No, this is breaking news to me. Tell us about it, Dominic. Uh, I'll wait till next week. You know, I still, still got to do some uh, coding, you know, click, 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 coding, coding, coding. Yes, that's exactly what coding is. You just yell, you just say coding for like five hours and then a website appears. Uh, that sounds about right. And I actually didn't say coding. I said codeine doing that dirty stirrup shit. Anyways, on that note, we will review Royal Rumble, see where they're going as we head on into WrestleMania. And of course, we will preview the Super Bowl between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs. If you want to send us in a question, go to curveball and cs at gbout.com. No S, just curveball and Why is CS. it no S? God, whoever did that must be an idiot. I, I, I don't know. So it's okay. People make mistakes. It's fine. If you want to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, both of them are curveballs and CS. It is all in the description if you just want to click on it. Uh, Facebook and YouTube, simply search curveballs and CS. Curveballs and chair shots in the search bar. And yeah, Dominic, anything else you would like to plug? Anything you want to talk about? Um, I want to talk about how I'm a straight fucking... I, I don't know. I don't know. All I can say is fuck the Heat, fuck the Wayne Wade, fuck New Orleans, fuck Drew Brees, and fuck you. And on that note, we all love you too, Dominic. Goodbye and good night. Uh, bye-bye. <laughs>